0: Uh, Ephesians uh, 4, 1 through, uh, the chapters 1 through 3, we see the riches in Christ. But in Ephesians chapters 3 through 6, we start to see our responsibility in Christ. Uh, 1 through 3 is shouting grounds. Uh, Before the foundations of the world, we see the redemption plan that God laid out. Uh, We see that I was dead, but God was rich in His mercy and He so loved us. Uh, with not only that, we received a gift that was free. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that free gift of salvation, for whoever wants it, God says it's there for you. And not only that, we learned that God was willing to use us to build His church. Not only that, that everyone who has been saved becomes one body, unified, and it doesn't matter if you are Greek. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a Gentile. We are all partakers in His promises going forward. Amen? Amen. Ain't that in a marvelous first chapters that you got to see? That is absolutely the most shouting ground that we should have, that that is us, that we have been adopted into the family of God, and we get to take part. Guys, that is a shouting ground. In in 3 through 6, though, we start talking about what we are supposed to do while we are here. Ephesians 2.10 says, For God has ordained that we are to walk. What does that mean? It is glorious to think about all that Jesus has done. It's wonderful to talk about the mountaintop experiences... And it's awesome to sit here at Hillcrest Baptist Church on a Sunday morning and shout that we have been adopted into the family. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to get to go to heaven, and it's all about Jesus, and it's awesome to sing about Jesus. It's awesome to hear about Jesus. It's awesome to worship Jesus. It's awesome to praise Jesus. It's awesome to do all those things, ain't it? And you start to feel like you're up on a mountain. Ooh, mountain. I love the mountain. But then Paul switches everything. And now he says, but now you gotta walk. See, the mountain is great, guys. The mountain is awesome. But we are called to walk in the valley. So everything is about to switch in Paul's. He's saying, the beginning is our position in Christ, but now it is our responsibility in Christ. And everybody in here, guys, we have a responsibility to walk for Jesus. Uh, Ephesians 2, he talks about that walk, but it is glorious to think about all that Jesus has done, but the work of God is done in the valley because we aren't in heaven yet. And guys, what I want you to understand, how easy is it on a Sunday morning to praise Jesus, but Monday morning is waiting? How hard is it that we say, man, I am high on Jesus today. I'm excited. I can run through a wall for Christ today, but Monday morning happens. That's where God is calling us to walk. Monday morning is coming. The church disagreement is waiting. The cursing coworker worker is waiting. The irritating boss is waiting. The busyness is waiting. The temptation is waiting. The worry is waiting. And we are called to take Jesus to that waiting world. How hard is that, guys? Because we, each and every single one of us, can put ourselves in that position where it's easy to follow Jesus on Sunday but all of a sudden that nagging boss is there on Monday and we are called to follow Jesus in that moment. We are called to be those, that partaker, that adopted son that God just talked about. We are called to be that adopted son in our workplace on Monday morning. And not only that, we're called to be that adopted worker right here in this church. And guys, that is his goal for us to be talking about unity. We are called to take Jesus to the waiting world. And you must be walking worthy of your calling. Uh, Walking means how we are conducting our everyday lives. Walking worthy, he talks about. And we go forward. He says, not only walk worthy, we are to walk not as other Gentiles. We are to walk in love. We are to walk as children of light. We are to walk circumspectly and wise. And Paul is concerned about unity in Ephesians 4, uh, starting in verse 3, but we're going to go ahead and read that. Go ahead and look at verse 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. That's that word. Endeavoring, working, striving, trying your best to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's a lot, guys, that in this world trying to destroy unity. And if you are not fighting for unity at every moment, you can find yourself in a place of disunity just like that. But there is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who is above all and through all and in you all. That's good stuff. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for this time of worship this morning. Thank you for the sweet spirit in this place this morning. And Lord, thank you for taking us this far. Uh, Lord, you've been so good to us. Lord, thank you for the baptisms this morning. It should fire us all up to see that you're still working. Even in a world that seems so depressing sometimes, God, you give us just that uh, light enough to keep us going all the time. And, Lord, you are there and you are you're seeking today. And, Lord, I pray, God, that today if there's somebody that needs to answer your call today, uh, that they don't wait. Lord, if there's somebody in disunity today, Lord, I pray, God, that this speaks to their heart. And, Lord, I pray that Hillcrest Baptist Church, wherever you take us, that we are a unified church for one purpose and for one reason, and that is to lift up your name in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. But Paul is concerned about unity. Look in verse 3. It says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and bond of peace. This unity means harmony. It means oneness that should be among the church, united through Jesus Christ, one body, one goal, one purpose. And there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Guys, all of us are different. All of us, if you ask everybody in here, you say, well, Brandon, is a, is a, does a believer ever get on your nerves sometimes? Every one of us will say, amen. Yes, it does. Yes, they do. If you say, well, Brandon, do you, ever get on, uh, you get on my nerves sometimes. Okay, I do. Yeah, amen. Every single one of us are different. Every single one of us come from different places. Every one of us are raised different. Every single one of us come from all kinds of places. But for whatever reason, God saved each and every single person that's here that's ever been saved. God then in that moment put us together. And every single time you baptize somebody, you say, my brother or my sister. And that's what we are to each other. Now, I know that sisters and brothers fight. I will testify to that, that I had a sorry sister. But I'm gonna tell you. But that doesn't mean that I don't love her. Even though that I like, I should. Amen. She's gonna fight me for that, anyways. But we are united in blood, and there's nothing that can. We can get upset. We can fight. We can do anything. And I was such a good little brother, y'all. I was such a good little brother. But at the end of the day, that was my sister. And we could fight and we could argue and we could get mad and she could storm and and kick me in the ribs and everything else. But at the end of the day, if somebody else came to her and said something about her, that's my sister. And don't you dare say anything about her. Y'all with me? And I'm telling you, Christians today, we can get mad at one another. We can fight one another. We can have disunity with one another. We can get irritated at one another. But there should be a time and a place where I'm telling you, at the end of it all, we should stand in unity for one another. Amen? That the world, that we might get mad at each other, but I'm telling you, when this world or Satan comes at us, we should stand in the gap for the people that we should be unified with through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I believe that as close as me and my sister are by blood, I am as close to Brother Terry by blood, amen? That is my brother in Christ. And I'm going to tell you, i was use him for an example again. There's a lot of times he could have uh, got a little impatient with me when I was a young 18-year-old boy. But now I see him as a mentor and how good God is. Amen. But that is that unity that we have. The harmony, the oneness that should be among the church, united through Jesus Christ. But we have to fight for it. A unity, we got to fight for unity in an ununified world. God's people must guard up and be together. How do we do it? Do we get rid of those who disagree? Guys, this is something I want us to look at. There's a lot of times we think I can have unity as long as I can get rid of all the people that are ununified against me. True or not true? That's not true unity. We are unified when we can bring that brother up that's not living the way he should and bring him along with us, amen? The the goal should not be, if I can be unified, the only way that I can be unified is to get rid of a bunch of people that aren't unified. More than likely, you ain't unified. I can be unified as long as you agree with me. That's not true unity. Not everybody's always going to agree with you. But we are unified through Jesus Christ. And there should be a way that we can find unity together through Jesus. And we might have to argue. We might get in the mad. But at the end of the day, you better make up because you're brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? But the Word tells us how we can have unity. And Paul says it best. Look in verse 2. These are not the most popular messages because we always want to be like, man, I'm big and I'm strong and I'm going to tell everybody what I think. Sometimes you need to hush. Sometimes you just need to be quiet. Sometimes we get uh, the talking when we shouldn't be talking. Sometimes God says, just be meek and hush and I'll fight your battles for you. Amen. But I says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Who else in here could call themselves a prisoner of the Lord? beseech you that you walk worthy of your vocation where you are called with all lowliness and meekness and long suffering. What does that say? Forbearing one another in love. He says we should be, if we are going to have unity in our churches, we are to be, have a lowliness, which means a mind brought low. It means the opposite of pride. There is nothing more of a hindrance to the presence of God than pride. And guys, every single one of us When we fight the flesh, we fight pride so many times. Who else in here could witness to say, man, I've been there. Well, all of a sudden, I'm trying to walk in humility, but then that pride starts to raise up in yourself. And you just say, I'm just going to do it my way, Lord. I'm just going to do it my way. I'm just going to tell them what I think, amen. But I'm going to tell you, there should be a time where we have a lowliness in mind. If anybody is humble, it should be a Christian who has been so low to a point that they had to receive Jesus because they were flat on their back with nowhere to go. But so many times we forget where we were flat on our back the moment that Jesus saved us. We forget that moment of humility when we walked to that altar, or or we were in that seat, or maybe we were around a kitchen table, or maybe we were with our mom and dad, maybe we were with a preacher, maybe we were with anybody, wherever, maybe you were with a friend. But that moment that God saved you, and the tears started to roll down your cheeks, and you realize that you're a lost sinner, and that Jesus is the only one that can save you, and all of a sudden you said, Lord, I'm coming to you, trusting only you to save me, and Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be with you want me to be I'll say what you want me to say and then all of a sudden we forget every bit of it and that was just a moment God saved us but then that flesh starts to rise again in that moment of lostness you are the most meek person in the world you would have done anything that God asked you to do his will be done and that's what meekness is it's somebody that is willing to follow the will of God no matter what. Which really, and we're going to get to that, is the strongest person that you're ever going to meet. But it is the opposite of pride. Proverbs eleven two says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with a lowly is wisdom. Y'all listen to that? Lowly is wisdom. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with lowly is wisdom. The Bible says that pride is an abomination... It has followed by destruction, deception, resistance. And our churches, our schools need less people with all the answers. They need less people with all the intellect, and they need more humility. Are y'all with me on that? So many people got all the answers. Every time you cut on the TV, there's somebody with the answers. But you know what we don't see? Humility. We don't see somebody that's just on their knees a-praying for God to do something, amen? We don't see those people that say, I have no clue what to do, but I know a God who does know what to do, and I'm going to hit my knees again and say that Jesus knows what to do, and I know nothing. I'm just an old lost sinner, but I know God saved me, and I know that he can save the world, amen? But so many times Christians want to well up and say, I got the answer. I do got the answer, Jesus. He's the only answer. But we need more humility that relies on God every step as they walk. My friend, whoever you are today, whatever way you're walking, whatever ministry you're doing, be careful that pride does not take the place of God. Because wherever God has taken you, it's because God has put you there. And God puts you there, God can take it away just like that too. And so many times we start right. We start in humility. We start saying, God, I'm doing this the way that you want me to do it. This is only for you. But before you know it, our power and our strength starts to cut in, and we all of a sudden think that it has something to do with us. And as much as God has trusted it with us, he might say, I don't trust you with it no more. And guys, we must continue to follow Him no matter where we go and no matter how successful we have become because our success only becomes uh, because of Him and what He's been able to give us and what He has given us. But the opposite of pride, there's nothing more of a hindrance to the presence of God than pride. And what we talk about is God every step. More humility is what we need. Unity is when a Christian starts to esteem others more than himself. We can't... We can be so self-consumed that we don't look any different than lost people. And I mean that. So many times the church is more self-consumed than the lost world around us. My wants, my needs, paint the way I want it to look, pews the way I want it to look, don't change. It's got to fit my parameters. And as long as it fits my parameters, I'm good. And we can be as self-consumed with us as the lost world around us. And I'm sitting there telling you guys, if God has taken you this far, He's going to take you to the other side. He has seen you this far. He is not going to all of a sudden get off board. It's us that try to jump off of what He's doing instead of us following what He's doing. Amen? This past week, I was in a restaurant. You ever have God just thump you in the head? You ever have the Lord just convict your heart and you're like, oh, me. I was at a restaurant with Gina and the girls and uh, we were in this little Japanese restaurant across town and we were in there and we we walked in and there was this lady and man and they were speaking uh, to the workers and they were speaking in Indonesian. I didn't know that that's what they were speaking but they were speaking in Indonesian and in my flesh, I'm just like, quit talking and let me get to my food. I'm hungry. I've had a hard day. Why don't you just step out of the side and y'all can go talk somewhere else. You know, anybody else been there? Yeah, yeah, you have. Come on. And I'm sitting there watching them talk. I'm sitting there watching them and I'm not paying much attention. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. They, they know Indonesian, you know, whatever. <laughs> a few minutes goes by. I go to get my ice out of my cup. Gracie spills it everywhere. Ice goes everywhere. I'm yelling at my daughter. (laughs) Y'all been there too, amen. (laughs) In this moment, in in the the very corner of my eye, almost by the time that ice hit the floor, this woman that was speaking Indonesian to these people was there with a mop trying to help me pick up this ice. And I said, all of a sudden, God just started to thump on me. This lady is about to witness to me. And all of a sudden, she wasn't speaking Indonesian no more. She was speaking English. (laughs) And she's seen a moment. She was looking for a moment. She was searching for a moment to serve God and be humble and show somebody that she was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sitting here yelling at my daughter, worrying about my food. And all of a sudden, this woman comes up to me and she says, Do you know Jesus Amen, I do, but I need to go repent. <laughs> and that struck up a whole conversation. She was a missionary for 30 years to Indonesia. And that struck up, and I'm like, well, I'm a pastor at Hillcrest Baptist Church. I'm oh, a no, you pastor, whoever. <laughs> mm. And as we talked, she said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I, I, me and my husband were missionaries to Indonesia. And guess what? We're retired now, but guess what? These people are Indonesian. That's who, we used to, that's who we used to witness to, and God has given them in our path. And guess what? She was excited. She said, they don't go to church. They don't work on Sundays, and I think we can get them into church. And I'm like, if we had a vision like that, if we had a humility like that, this church would be absolutely Busting out of the gills. Amen. And I so see it. She was looking to serve Jesus. How many times do we look to serve Jesus over ourselves? Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. The church can be so self-consumed about where we are going in our own life that we never look outside of our life to pick up the ice for somebody that just spilt it. I mean, she was just speaking to those people, but then she's seen the ice fall, and, and immediately it flicked in her head. There's another opportunity to go talk to somebody about Jesus. What if we had that kind of mentality? What if our eyes were looking like that, but often we don't see the ice fall? And if we do see the ice fall, we say, too bad. I ought to whoop that kid. Amen? That's what we would say. But guys, how amazing would it be if we started to get out of our own bubble and we started to not be so consumed of what was going on right here at Hillcrest Baptist Church that we were meeting everybody outside of Hillcrest Baptist Church and we were bringing people into Hillcrest Baptist Church and all of a sudden you've seen the altars full and you knew why the altars are full because God used you to help fill those altars. There was a young man in our youth group a couple weeks ago where his, his buddy got saved. And I said, come on up here and be with him. Did you invite him tonight? Yeah, I invited him tonight. I said, well, then you just took part in his salvation. How amazing would it be, church, if we got to take part in people's salvation every time that somebody comes because we're, humility- we're walking in humility, we're walking in meekness, we're walking in service. Every single time that somebody comes into our church and God uses them there, He starts to stir them. You get to take part in that. It's an amazing thing, but so many times we can be so self-consumed. And I'm asking you, church, quit being so self-consumed. We are to be meek. Meekness is not weakness. Jesus and Moses are considered the most meek men in the Bible. Meekness is the willingness to stand and do the will of God regardless of the cost. Guys, who in here could say, I am willing to stand and do the will of God regardless of the cost? That's meekness. Because you are so sold out to the things of God that you don't care what happens, that I'm sold out to whatever God wants. That is meekness. That is true strength. The weak man don't do a thing. The weak man is the one that sets beside and says, you know what, somebody else will do it. No, the strong man who is sold out for the things of God is the one that will step up, stand out, and have those conversations when God tells you to have those conversations. Willing to let God rule and reign in your life. Not only are we to be meek, he says we are to be long-suffering. Look in verse uh, verse 2, it says, uh, where am I at verse 2? It says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering... For bearing one another in love. Long-suffering is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It means a long temper. It means not having a short fuse. Be patient with people. And I didn't know if I was going to preach on this or here, but I'm going to do it. If every time someone made you mad, you get on Facebook and run them through the mud, there wouldn't be anybody left in the church. The worst thing in modern technology times is to get mad... And tell everyone on Facebook how sorry other Christians are. It does more damage to the church and more damage to the bride of Jesus than anything else. And I'm going to tell you what, we see that all the time where somebody says, I'm going to tell the world about how sorry those Christians are. We got an entire world that tells us that. And we should be unified together. Fighting together, whether we make each other mad or not, there should be a line that should not be crossed. But yet, we see so many times people in their self-righteousness think that I have the right to bash another Christian in a public place. You just did the devil's work. We must be willing to let God do as He wants to do. We are to be patient with people. We, guys, who here has ever had somebody be patient with you? If every single time somebody got mad at me the moment that I messed up, I would have been out of here. I wouldn't have ever been invited back. We've got to have patience with somebody. Now, I know there's a standard. I believe that God has laid out a standard of the way we should live. I know that. But there is a thing called grace. There is mercy and there is repentance. Now, if a person comes in repentance, receiving Jesus, saying, no, Jesus, I know that I've messed up, then we are be the quick to forgive them as Jesus forgives them and to never look at their sin again. Amen? But so many times we get mad and we tell everyone how we think, but then all of a sudden, guys, there is a bridge burnt. No Christian should ever want to be living on burnt bridges. I'm thankful that Jesus didn't burn the bridge right in the middle that I crossed, amen? I'm telling you, that cross put right down in the middle and I crossed the cross and it was the only way of salvation and I'm thankful that I didn't take one step and it fall through, amen? That cross was strong. And the same cross in which I crossed that saved my soul when Jesus saved me, how dare I tear the cross out from somebody else? We are to tell everybody that Jesus loves them and there is a place that they can come back to. And so many times we do damage to Jesus' bride. Our fight shouldn't be with each other, but our fight should be to remain unified. But often pride gets in the way. Say you are that person that's made a Facebook page. Maybe you are that person that's burned a bridge. Maybe you are that person that's talked smack about somebody. Maybe you are that person that's gossiped. Maybe you are that person that you've done all those things. And you can do two things. You can soul up in pride, and you can sit there and say, well, they were wrong. Or you can say, I'm going to do what's right before God, and I'm going to say, God, forgive me. me." Because what happens is, this has happened in my life. So many times we start right. We start right. We get mad. We're on the right side. We're fighting for what God wants. All of a sudden, something happens, don't go, you know, we get, we get just, we separate. And all of a sudden, where we started right ends up becoming pride in our heart, and we end up being wrong. I had somebody in my life one time that I got separated from. And I went through two years of conviction in my life because where I started right, Clayton, I'm going to use you again. Clayton, where I started right, I was right. I was right in the argument. It was, I was the one that was correct. But before you know it, I was the one gone. And before you know it, I was the one doing the talking. Before you know it, I was the one doing the gossiping. Before you know it, they were the ones that I couldn't get out of my heart because I kept thinking of them all the time. And it was tearing the peace and joy out of my life. And there came a time. I've shared this with you guys. I had surrendered to the ministry. I was trying to preach. And nobody was calling. Nobody was giving me an opportunity. Nobody was saying, come preach for me. It was, the well had run completely dry. And all the while on that route truck, I was putting bitterness in my heart, blaming everybody else for my problems, blaming everybody else how wrong they were and how bad they were to me. And there came a point where God's conviction fell over me and I hit my knees in that route truck. And I said, God, I can soil up and die in my pride to never be used by you. Or I can call that person and say, forgive me for the bitterness that is built up in my heart for you. And in that moment, I called that person. I said, I'm sorry, brother. I was run out, you know, I was the one that was wronged. But I had to say, I'm sorry. And in that moment, everything that was over my heart left. It was like it was a release off of me. And all of a sudden, man, I didn't have no bitterness anymore. All of a sudden, I didn't care if they liked me or not. I knew that I liked them just fine, and I had asked for forgiveness, and God had set me free. And the next day, I got my first call to preach. And I believed God was waiting on me to get that right. But so many times we soul up in pride. Let your pride go, no matter how small it is or how big it is. Get rid of the pride so God can use you. They might tell you that I don't forgive you, I don't like you. What, it don't matter what they say. What matters is what you do. John 17, 21 says that they all may be as one as thou, Father, art in me. And I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. The reason why we should be one in Christ, is that the world can see our oneness. That they're not seeing two. That they're not seeing division. When the lost world looks into the church, they should see unity as one. And we're going to see that God says, there is a lot of singular in this Bible, not double. Endeavoring, working to do one's best, as making haste to do it. And so whatever is going on in your life today, whatever is hindering your life today, if it's sin, if it's pride, if it's a relationship, I don't know what it is, but whatever is hindering the presence of God in your life, right now, this moment, endeavor to get through it and to get over it and to leave it behind. Endeavoring, working to do one's best and making haste. Do not wait. You have a problem, don't wait till it sinks into your heart. So many times it sinks into our heart, and our heart grows a little harder and a little harder and a little harder and a little harder. Guys, a hard heart is a dangerous place to be. But look at verse 3 again. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I love this. There's one body, there's one Spirit. Even as you are called, and there's one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. You have a problem. Again, don't wait till it sinks into your heart. Guys, the Bible says right there, there's one body, not two. God has set up one body of believers, not two. And I'm telling you, if the pinky hurts in the body, the whole body should hurt. There is one spirit. There's the same spirit that indwells each member. Every single one of us have the same spirit. There is one hope that there is going to be a day of redemption, that one of these days we're going to be in heaven, and there is one hope that we have with Jesus Christ. Amen. There's not two hopes. There's one hope. There is one Lord. There is one Master. There is one King. And everybody that has been saved has been bowed. They have bowed before the one King Jesus. There is one faith. There is one way. The Bible says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man come to the Father but by me. There is one faith. There is one baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is one God of the Father, Creator, who loved us above all, not two. And if you always find yourselves odd, at odds with someone, guys, you have to sit and wonder what's going on. If you have an enemy that is a believer, and I'm going to end on this, if there is only one God and Father of all believers, how could he be leading two believers to stand toe-to-toe with one another? He couldn't. One or both believers are following their own carnal ways. Someone is not following the one and only God and Father. So many times where we start right, we both end up being wrong. And at the end of the day, it's time to say, God, I don't know what you've got for this church, but I'm trusting you. I don't care if the walls turn to (gasps) orange. What if they turn to orange? I'd be okay with it. Whatever God wants. As long as we are in the parameters of God's Word and His Word is being preached and God is being glorified and God is being lifted, God's going to take care of the rest. Amen? Amen. But whatever God has... And maybe you have something in your... Right here, maybe you've got something you're holding over somebody. The presence of God can't be felt when we're living in sin. And so many times we think of sin as, oh, lust and all... Yes, those things too. You repent and leave them behind. They're killing you. They're killing you. But there's so much more to it. So many times we think that's what sin is, but often pride is the number one thing that keeps us from God more than anything else. What we think of people, what we've said about people, what we talk about. And guys, I want this church, no matter where God's leading us, when the next pastor comes, let him find a unified church ready to go forward for Jesus Christ. Amen. Bulldozing ahead. Not having to clean up mess. I'm ready to move past it. I told y'all last week, God has been good to this church. He has been good to this church. And I'm excited for what he's got going forward for this church. But I hope and pray that you realize the only way this church is ever going to go forward is with you. Not the preacher. Not all of the teachers. Not the deacons. The people. When the people of God Say, I am all in. That's what's going to grow this church. All of us taking our part, doing our part, not sitting on the sideline, but saying, God, I want to feel the presence of God in my life as much as Brandon does in his. I want to be as close to God as David is. I want to be as close to God as Brother Terry is. I want to be as close to God as Brother Amoson is. I want to be as close to God as all the men of God that I know. And the will of God in my life is as important as it is in Brandon's life. Amen? The will of God in your life is just as important as any preacher. In fact, I believe God might use you more. So do not think that where you are in your life isn't important. There's a reason why God don't call us all to be preachers. He calls so many to be servants, to go... And just like I used the men and the security, they were preachers. They were missionaries. They were as a part of God's mission in that moment as any preacher I've ever seen in my life. And what if the church said, I want to be that? I'm going to be looking to serve God, looking for the moments, and I'm going to go after it. Whatever God's calling you to do today, you come. If God's calling you to be a part of this church, you come. If God's calling you to be saved today, you say, Brendan, I've never been saved. I've never trusted Jesus to save me. I've sat here week after week. I've sat here day after day. I've sat here every single Sunday, and I leave in my pride every single Sunday. But I'm telling you, my friend, if God is calling you by name, you remember that moment, Miss standing? Amen. You can have that moment, too. When Jesus saves your soul and you believe by Him by faith and you trust in all of what He's done and that it has nothing to do with you and it has all to do with Him. But you got to let go of you to do it. God, it ain't about me. It's all about you. And maybe God's just calling you to come to this altar. Maybe you had not been to the altar in a long time. This is a place of humility. This is not a place of show. If you come up to this place for a place of show, stay in your seat. But this is a place of humility. This is a place where I say, I don't care what the people think. I care what God thinks. And I want to hit my knees just like Paul did. And so whatever God's calling you to do, you come.